This is Church of the Resurrection in Wheaton, Illinois. This week's sermon is by Pastor Matt Woodley and is part one of our summer study on Proverbs. So a couple of uh, things you might have got as you came in, hopefully. So this spiral-bound booklet is going to be our study guide booklet, our resource, our devotional guide for the, basically most of the summer. So each of the sermons you're going to hear, except for next two weeks when we have international guests, will be from the book of Proverbs. And so for each sermon, we have the scripture passage, we have some questions for reflection, we have an excerpt from a commentary on the book of Proverbs for you to consider, we have some quotes from the church fathers. So it's a great resource. So I encourage you, even if this is your only Sunday here this summer, Um, take it with you and use it as your summer devotional. I think it's a great resource and a great tool. And then also in uh, the bulletin this morning, the sermon outline this morning, as you flip over to page 12, you're going to find the outline there. So um, the year was 1988, and I was finishing up a master's in divinity. That's what you get when you go to seminary. I was preparing to pastor my first church, and I was very excited and very intent. My goal was to go to an um, urban church, probably a really sophisticated church. I wanted to work with a lot of people kind of on the cutting edge of culture, maybe a university town. And God, in his infinite wisdom and good sense of humor, called us to a place called Barnum, Minnesota. I don't know if you've ever been to Barnum, but if you take I-35 straight out of Minneapolis up to exit 220, you'll hit the Barnum Bombers, population 460. Um, It is a place filled with farmers, filled with dairy farmers, corn farmers, wheat farmers, soybean farmers, fuel oil truck drivers, not exactly the posh and sophisticated university town I was looking for. But God placed me there, and God taught me a lot of things, things through some really amazing people. I've told you before about... My friend, if you've been here, you know about my friendship with Leon and Nancy, or Leon and Nancy Finnefrock, Willis and Kay Finnefrock, a bunch of Finnefrocks in that town. But this morning, I want to tell you about a guy named Howard Ballou. And Howard Ballou, by the time I met him, was 82 years old. He had been farming all his life. He um, was alone now, and I'll tell you a little bit more about that. He lived on his farm, but he'd gotten rid of all his cattle. And I found out from Howard that Howard was not just a farmer. He was a dairy farmer. And he was not just a dairy farmer, but he was a Guernsey farmer. You know, when I was growing up in Minneapolis, I thought there was just one species of cows. There's cows, and then there's horses, and those are really different. But cows are just all cows, right? I mean, I didn't realize there's different kinds of cows. And so this greatly offended Howard, and I remember the first time we're talking, him pounding the kitchen table pounding the kitchen table saying, no, they were not cows. They were Guernsey. They were Guernsey cattle. And then he would like have this beatific vision. He'd go, oh, the cream from those Guernseys. You could never find that cream. There's like this drool coming out of his mouth and remembering the cream from the Guernsey cows. And so I learned a lot about cows from Howard. We talked a lot about cows and his cattle, but we also talked about a lot of other things in life. So I figured that Howard was probably born in 1906. So by the time I got there in 1988, he had lived through World War I, the Great Depression, World War II. He'd also seen vast changes in society and culture. 
He'd also had some really tragic things happen to him. He had a 10-year-old son, a son that was 10 years old at the time. His name was Buddy. Buddy went to sleep one night with a fever. Howard woke up the next morning, and Buddy had died in the middle of the night from encephalitis. He had to put his 10-year-old son into the ground. A few years before I got there, his wife, Chloe, of over 50, I don't know, 55 years, she had also died. He had had to bury her. I listened to Howard, and I listened to his stories. You know, Howard had something, a quality, that I didn't see, and I still don't see in a lot of people, and it's something that I don't always see in myself, and I want it, though. I want it. He had an ability to go through suffering and yet come out not a worse person, not a bitter person, but a better person. He had an ability to live and love a certain place. You know, we all just move around so much. We're so transient in where we live, and, and no place is really like home. And Howard, like, he had deep roots in one place, and he loved that farm, and he loved that town, and he loved his church. Howard had an ability to live before God with a sense of wonder and delight and awe and childlike joy in spite of the bad things he had been through. You know, in a world that is often really shallow, he had depth. In a world that is often really transient, he had roots, and he knew how to grow them. You know, there's a word in the Bible for what Howard had, this thing I'm talking about, this quality, this, this essence that he had. It's the word wisdom. Wisdom. It's not something you put a lot of times on a resume to impress your boss or to get a job. It's not something that people put on their Facebook page. But it's all over the Bible, this quality. Actually, in many ways, the Bible that I'm holding here, this book that Christians believe God has given us, is, is a book that has a lot of wisdom in it. And if you open your Bible about smack in the middle, just at random, it's likely that you might hit what's called the book of Proverbs. And the book of Proverbs is a book dedicated to the nature and pursuit and the lifestyle of a wise person. And the theme of Proverbs is simply this. God wants to give you wisdom. God has wisdom. It's free. Sometimes we have to learn it the hard way, but he wants to give it to you. And so the essence of life, the best thing in life, the truly good life, is to live a life of pursuing wisdom. Go for wisdom. As we're going to talk about in just a few minutes, wisdom is better than, it's better than any life pursuit. Now, there's a lot of things that are good, and they're not necessarily bad in themselves. It's not, it's not necessarily bad to be famous. It's not necessarily bad to make a lot of money. But wisdom is, should be, the first priority of what we're pursuing in our lives. And by wisdom, God wants to, number one, avoid us from making a wreck of our lives, but also when we get to the end of our lives, say, that was a beautiful life. It wasn't perfect. It was flawed. There was sin. But it was a beautiful life. That's what God wants. Well, where does wisdom start? It starts with our relationship with God. It doesn't start with a search inside ourselves. It doesn't start with talking to our friends. I mean, those can be sources of 
truth sometimes, but the ultimate source is our relationship with God. And that's why in verse 7, if you follow along, I have the Bible's, the Bible passage printed here, but I'm going to read it right out of my Bible. It says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And what does that mean, the fear of the Lord? Does that mean to be terrified of God? Not really, not necessarily. It means more of a holy respect and awe before God, that you're in the presence of somebody that's real and that is greater and smarter and better than all of us. That's where it begins. And then it says, what's the purpose of life? Look at verse 2, to receive instruction in wise dealing. Verse 3, to give prudence to the simple. Verse 5, let the wise hear and increase in learning. In other words, get wisdom and then keep growing in wisdom your whole life. Don't stop growing in wisdom. Wisdom is a lifelong quest, a lifelong pursuit. You don't get it when you get done with kindergarten. You don't get it when you get done with high school. You don't get it when you get a PhD. You get it throughout your life as you relate to God and learn from Him. Well, you heard a long passage read from Proverbs. Break it down, and there's three things in this passage. Three things. You just follow this Bible passage. First, there's the off offer of wisdom. The offer of wisdom. And then number two, there's the rejection of wisdom in the sense that we often reject wisdom. And number three, there is the warning of wisdom. So let's start with the offer of wisdom. Verse 20 in this Bible passage says, it compares wisdom to a woman who's in the middle of the marketplace in ancient times, and she's standing before everybody in the town, and she's crying out, and she's saying, I have good news for you. I have an offer for you. I have wisdom for you. So verse 20 says, wisdom cries aloud in the streets. In the markets, she raises her voice. At the head of the noisy streets, she cries out. At the entrance of the city gates, she speaks. How long, O oh, simple ones, will you love being simple? How long will scoffers delight in their scoffering and fools hate knowledge? In today's terms, she would be downtown on the street. She would be down on Front Street and Main Street in Wheaton. She would be in a mall. She would be at the entrance to a sports event. She would be where people can see her in a public place. And what's this, what this is saying is that wisdom, God's wisdom, this wisdom that leads to a beautiful life, isn't just for like an elite group of people. It's not just for super smart people. It's not for people who can earn a PhD in astrophysics. It's not for people that are super religious. It's not necessarily for people who, it, it can be for anybody. A guy with three PhDs could be less wise than a 10-year-old with developmental disabilities because that 10-year-old with developmental disabilities might have true wisdom from God. That's how wisdom works. It's a gift, and it's for ordinary people. And wisdom is saying, pay attention to me. So this lady wisdom, she stands and she says, pay attention to me. I have something for you that's better than fame, that's better than success, that's better than money, that's better than all your dreams coming true. Wisdom is better than all of that. Now, how can wisdom make that claim? Well, let me give you an example. 
One example of why wisdom is like better than fame, being famous, okay? So let's say today you tweet something to your nine Twitter followers, okay? I have two Twitter followers. I opened the account and I haven't done much with it since, you know, but let's say I tweeted something to my two followers, okay? And it goes nuts. It goes viral. People pick it up. And I wake up the next day and I have 23.5 million Twitter followers. Like, what? I'm famous. People are calling me. The president's calling me. LeBron James is calling me, Stephen Curry's calling me, you know, it's like celebrities are calling me. It's like, how did you do that? How did you say that? That was so amazing. That was so clever. I want to tweet like you do. And all of a sudden, I'm famous. Now, here's the problem. Once you get fame, most people don't know what to do with it. It's like a dog chasing a truck down the street, and you catch the truck, what are you going to do with it? <laughs> you know, honestly, a lot of people get famous and it makes them a worse person. Heard a quote a couple weeks ago. Actually, I'm going to read it to you. Comedian Amy Schumer, who became famous pretty quickly, she was talking to her fans. Now, this is a genuinely famous person. She said, I'm like newly famous, she said. And it turns out, it's not fun. Did you guys know that? I'm just now learning that my dreams have been a sham and that it's actually not great and it just only comes with pain. We all know that fame lasts about three months. This is a famous person saying this. And you think, well, bring it on. Let me try. I won't mess it up. Yeah, you probably will. I would. We don't know how to handle fame. Wisdom gives us skill at life on how to handle fame, or how to handle obscurity, or how to handle success, or how to handle failure, or how to handle riches, or how to handle poverty. It's skill at knowing how to deal with whatever life throws at you. That's what wisdom is. And that is better than just having fame or riches, because now you know how to handle it. That's why wisdom is better. You know, God is speaking through Lady Wisdom in this passage, this marketplace. Wisdom cries aloud in the street, and in the markets she raises her voices. It's really a picture of the living God. It's really a picture of Jesus, because in the New Testament, Jesus is called the source of all wisdom. All riches of wisdom are in Jesus Christ. And so she's pointing to Jesus, and she's saying, look for this one. He's coming. This guy's coming. He's got all the wisdom. You can learn from him. Learn from him. Now, I want to just pause here and just say, I don't know if you were raised in the church or not raised in the church. I don't know if you were raised in the church and had a bad experience in the church. I don't know if you trust God or don't trust God. But let me just say this. God is for you. God is not against you. God is not interested in making your life miserable. God is interested in giving you ultimate freedom and eternal happiness. But it's got to come his way, not just your way. That's the offer of wisdom. Then there's the rejection of wisdom. 
So if wisdom is so great and it's free and anybody can get it, why have I struggled so much in my life to become a wise person? Why does it take so long? Why do I have to learn so many lessons the hard way, the long way? Maybe you feel the same way. It's because none of us are born coming out of our mother's womb wise. We actually have an anti-wisdom bent. The Bible calls this anti-wisdom bent. It's an indication of what the Bible calls sin. You know, one of the pictures for sin in the Bible is actually an archery term. So it says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, which is nice because at least we're all in the same boat, right? Nobody's better than anybody else when it comes to this. We're all together in this. One of the pictures of sin is an archery term for missing the target. It's a true story. I took two archery lessons this fall, okay? I never got very good. But you're like 50 feet away, and there's this little tiny balloon out there, and you're supposed to pull it back and hit it. And my bows just kept going up and down and on, and it's just like, they're like, the bows were warped, right? You know? But actually, it was my fault because I really didn't know what I was doing because I didn't get, I wasn't instructed. I mean, the guy was trying to instruct me, but I wasn't naturally good at this. I had a warp. I had a warp to my delivery. Well, sin is like that. But it's not just something that's in us. It's a choice we make to not be wise. And we all have this condition. Look at verses 25 and 26. Or actually, verse, verse 24 and 25. It says, How... Because I have called and you refuse to listen, have stretched out my hand and no one is heeded, because you have ignored all my counsel and had, would have none of my reproof. Those are really strong verbs. You have refused, you have ignored, you have hated. And I think, not me. I like Lady Wisdom. I want to be wise. I got nothing against lady wisdom. But then my actions speak otherwise. You know, there's two types of people in this passage who are epitomized this kind of rejection of wisdom. And, and listen carefully to this and see if you find yourself in one of these people. And if not, great, you pass the test. I can find myself some days in both of these people. One is called the simple person. Verse 22, how long, O simple ones, will you love being simple? What's a simple person? Well, a simple person in the Bible is not somebody that's uneducated. It's not somebody with a low IQ. It's somebody who is basically, well, the best way to define it is, he just, spiritually speaking, I just go with the flow, man. I go with the flow. So he might work really hard at his job. He might work really hard at video games. He might work really hard at making money. He might work really hard at being popular or being famous. But when it comes to his character, his heart, who he is at the core of his person, or his relationship with God, that vertical dimension, it's like, yeah, I just kind of let that happen. It'll come together. Whatever. I just coast. And the good Lord is going to somehow get me as I coast. That's his philosophy. That's the simple person. He's the go with the flow guy. And then there's the scoffer, verse 22. 
How long will scoffers delight in their scoffing and fools hate knowledge? What's a scoffer? Scoffer is a person who is, I define as coolly detached. So she doesn't often see her own faults and her own weaknesses and her own brokenness and her own sin, but man, can she see others. She's got like radar up. Hypocrite alert, phony alert. That person's a phony, that person's a hypocrite. I know it, I can see it, I can smell it, I can sense it. They're coolly detached. They like to just kind of stand back and kind of watch people doing their thing. They're like spectators at a sports event. Oh man, that was a dumb play. Oh man, what was that coach thinking? Oh man, was that a bad call? And then you ask the scoffer, well, how would you have done it better? How would you have done church better? How would you have been a Christian better? How? They go, oh, whoa, whoa, don't be judgmental, you know? I critique people. I don't get my hands dirty with that stuff. The scoffer never sweats. The scoffer never sheds tears. The scoffer never bleeds. The scoffer never fails. She's safe. She's coolly detached. That's the scoffer. And Lady Wisdom has some words for these people. And remember, I said, I have been both of these. And I could be one of these tomorrow. Lady Wisdom has some advice, though. How do you counteract this tendency, this anti-wisdom bent in our hearts? And here's the answer sprinkled throughout all the book of Proverbs. It's really simple, but it's really hard to do. Be teachable. Be coachable. Be trainable. When it comes to advice, when it comes to instruction, not just for like your job or your sport or your uh, music or whatever, be teachable for your core character. Be teachable in your relationship with God and you will grow in wisdom. You know, I read this week two really interesting quotes, really different. So think of them as ends of a spectrum. Over on uh, this end of the spectrum, over on this end of the spectrum was a quote about an American politician. I'll call this politician Smith. And you don't even know if it's a man or a woman. And if you ask me afterwards, I'm not going to tell you, okay, who it is. But it's not President Trump, okay? So I'm going to tell you. So here's the quote about Smith. Somebody said this about Smith. No one who drew a salary from Smith's team would tell Smith any criticisms. It was a self-signed death warrant to raise a question about Smith's competence. Defensive, I don't need coaching, I don't need advice, I don't need wisdom, I got it. Here's the other extreme. I heard this one this week. Steph Curry, NBA basketball player, probably one of the greatest basketball players alive today, the NBA champion, Golden State Warriors. His coach, one of his coaches said this about him. He's the most educable player I've ever known, both in terms of his willingness to listen and in his ability to absorb and execute. Here's a guy at the top of his game in the top of his field 
at the top of the top of that field. And he's still the most educable guy this coach has ever met. So I ask you, you know, plot yourself on that spectrum. Who are you more like, Smith or Curry? None of us are total, probably totally one or another, but where do you tend to fall? How are you like Smith? How could you become more like Curry? Well, it begins with Proverbs 1-7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Living before God with humility and a sense of awe and a sense of wonder and a sense of surrender. That will make you a humble person. That will make you like Steph Curry, who, by the way, happens to be a really committed follower of Jesus Christ. It's probably one of the reasons why he's so coachable. So that is the rejection of wisdom. So we've got the offer of wisdom, we have the rejection of wisdom, and then one more thing, the warning of wisdom. Lady Wisdom is like, she's like tough. You know, she's like, she's like an iron lady. Margaret Thatcher, like the prime minister, former prime minister of Great Britain. She's tough. She calls it straight. I gotta say, you know, sometimes you might be reading the Bible, you might be reading Proverbs, and goes, whoa, that's a little intense. But isn't it good every once in a while? I mean, not all the time, but every once in a while, isn't it good to have somebody that cares about you look you in the eye and just say, that was wrong. That hurt me. That hurts other people. And can we talk about that? Isn't that good every once in a while? Refreshing? I know it's hard, but isn't it good? I remember at one point in my life, about 10 years ago, I had two men that were both old enough to be my father. Within a span of about three days, they both told me the exact same thing in my life, a character flaw in my life, something I needed to work on. Boom. And then three days later, boom. It's almost like it was coordinated, but they don't even know each other. You know, there's an old Yiddish saying, if one person calls you a donkey, forget about it. Another person calls you a donkey, you might want to start thinking about it. Third person calls you a donkey, you might want to get a saddle, because you're probably a donkey. So I started thinking in this instance, I think I might be a donkey. Uh-oh. I don't want to wait around for the third person to say this. You know, I think I get the point. Look at what Lady Wisdom says. She says in verse 25, I have called and you refuse to listen. Because you have ignored all my counsel and would have none of my reproof, when terror strikes you like a storm, when distress and anguish come upon you, then they will call upon me, but I will not answer. They will seek me diligently, but will not find me. Lady Wisdom is saying, don't mess with me. Don't mock me. Don't spurn me. Don't scoff at me, because there's going to come a day when you will need me, when you will need my advice. Really, of course, she's talking about God's advice. She's talking about the living God's advice. When you're going to need God's advice, you're going to need God's advice. And don't let that day come and your heart is so hardened and your feet are so petrified that you can't 
move. Don't let that day come. Start listening to the Lord who is for you and wants what's good for you and wants you to have a beautiful life. Start listening to him now. That's the warning of wisdom. Notice how this passage ends, though. So this is all chapter 1 of the book of Proverbs. And by the way, here's just a little parenthesis. So Billy Graham, who is now in his 90s, and one of the greatest Christian leaders ever in the United States, just an incredible man of integrity and honesty and humility and Christ-like love for people, he said for years and years and years, decades, one day, every day, or every month, he would read through the book of Proverbs. So Proverbs is 31 chapters. So every day, first day of the month, he'd read chapter 1. Second day of the month, he'd read chapter 2. And he did that for years as part of his devotional life. It's not a bad practice. You might want to try it this summer. So you could start tomorrow with chapter 19. You know, so, um, so that's a good idea. So this is, this is a, sorry, that was free. Um, so, the rejection of wisdom, the warning of wisdom, and notice how this ends, verse 33. But whoever listens to me, and again, this is Lady Wisdom, but she's really pointing to Jesus. Whoever listens to me will dwell secure and will be at ease without dread of disaster. What does that mean? Does that mean that bad things will never happen to you if you believe in God and you trust Jesus? No, it's not, that's not what that's saying. It's saying... You will never live in dread. You know, this kind of all-consuming anxiety and fear. We build our lives on this. We build our lives on fame. We build our lives on riches. And what we build our lives on one relationship. What happens if it's gone? What happens if it's taken away? What happens if I don't have that anymore? And we live with this sense of dread. Now, those, all those things might be really good things. They might be really good gifts, but they're not supposed to be the foundation for your life. And so this passage is telling us, you make God your foundation. Nothing can pull that away. Nothing can destroy that. Not even death itself can get rid of that. So you will live, live without dread. But notice that first word, whoever listens to me. I love that. Just got that word. I was reading this, this passage. And that word just jumped out at me. Whoever, whoever listens to me, you're going, well, I don't have any church background. Well, I've been away from God for a long time. Well, I have a lot of doubts. Well, I've made a lot of bad decisions. I've been a fool a lot of times. I've been a scoffer. I've been a simple person. I've been, I've been living under condemnation. I, like, I don't qualify. Are you a whoever? You qualify. You can start listening now. You can come to the Lord now. You don't have to have any prerequisites. You don't have to have it. You can come now into his saving presence. You know, this is a God who's so good, so kind, he's worth pursuing. Jesus said, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You know the qualification to come to Jesus? You've got to be weary and heavy laden. That's it and you can come. Jesus said, I'm a doctor. I came for sick people, not for well people. I came for simple people. I came for scoffers. I came for fools. I came for people who think they're wise. I came for all of you. 
Here's the beauty of God's grace, and it's worth pursuing. You know, um, I visited Howard a few months before he died, and I came into his old farm home, and he was sitting on his favorite easy chair, and he was, had the chair kicked back, and he had his feet up, and he was sound asleep with his mouth wide open, and he's snoring. And on his lap, he had a big old Bible, you know, turned open somewhere in the middle of the Old Testament. And I said, I kind of knocked on the door, and Howard waved me in. I said, Howard, what are you doing? He said, oh, just reading the Bible again, straight through. I said, well, haven't you read it? Like, I don't know. How many times have you read it through? He said, I don't know. I can't even count anymore. I said, well, what are you hoping to find? Don't you kind of know everything already? He said, I don't know. I just want to know how God did it. I said, what? God did what? Oh, you know. And remember, I mean, Howard's not like a real intellectual guy, but he's wise. He says, I don't know. I just want to know how God made the world, how he saved people, how he redeemed people, how he loved people, how he heals broken people. That's just what I want to know. So I'm just reading through it again, looking for more ways to see how God did that. Here's a guy been through tragedy, but still lived without cynicism, without bitterness, without dread basing his life on the Lord. And you know, you can have that today too. I can have that today. This God who gives wisdom is worth our pursuit, our lifelong quest. It's worth it to go to this God and say, I don't know much about you, or maybe I know a lot about you, or maybe I'm learning a lot of new things about you, but I want to surrender to you. I want to live before you like this. And with my whole life, I want you to teach me and guide me and lead me and instruct me and make me into a truly wise person. May that be our prayer as we go through this Proverbs series this summer. Amen. Thanks for listening. Our vision at Church of the Resurrection is to equip everyone for transformation. As part of that vision, we love to share dynamic teaching, original music, and stories of transformation. For more of what you heard today, check out the rest of our podcast. To learn more about our ministry, visit churchres.org.